Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode we have a lot to discuss as I was not able to record last week as I was a bit under the weather, so I'm going to have to make up some ground here on this episode, but we got a lot to talk about between the Braves who had their opening series of the year against the Cincinnati Reds and the Hawks, who are locked in to the number 9 spot and will be in the play-in tournament facing the Charlotte Hornets in a must-win game on Wednesday. But uh, we'll get into the Hawks later because we got to talk about the Braves. They are back officially. Uh, they split their four-game set with the Reds. They lost game one. They won games two and three. And then they lost game four on Sunday. Um, so I'll get into game one now. Just kind of... Uh, pick away at the negatives and the positives of this series as a whole. Um, game one was an um, interesting game, to be sure. Max Fried started for the Braves, and I'll talk about Max first in this one. Um, he started out the game looking very, very good, had a very solid first inning, um, struck out two guys, struck out first battery faced on three pitches, and um, then he kind of uh, teetered off a little bit after that. Um, Ended up his final line ended up being 5.2 innings pitch, five earned runs, eight hits, and five strikeouts. But it wasn't um wasn't as bad as it looked really because um, two of the runs that he gave up were runners they left on base and Colin McHugh gave, came in and gave up a home run that let them in. So that was very unfortunate for Max because I thought he pitched generally well. He definitely I think was a little bit hyped up. Some of his fastballs were just sailing over the zone, out of the strike zone, you know, just not really getting under them and having them get into the strike zone like he was able to do, like in the first inning, for example, where I thought he looked fantastic. But, um, yeah, he ended up walking five, or only walking one guy in this game, but gave up eight hits, had a lot of soft contact singles that just ended up falling, which was just kind of unlucky on his part. But I do think he pitched generally well. I don't think he was fantastic or anything because he obviously had some hiccups, but, um, yeah, nothing to be um, worried about, but still kind of a rough line. 5.2 innings pitch, five earned runs, had the five strikeouts. But, um, yeah, and when he left the game, it was a 5.2 innings pitch, three earned runs, which looks a lot better than the uh, five earned runs. But McHugh, like I said, came in and uh, let those guys get in on a home run. And that was kind of that was all the runs the Braves gave up in this game. Um, main positive out of this one was Spencer Strider came in for two innings in relief after McHugh and went two innings pitched, five strikeouts, no base runners, 24 pitches. He was perfect and um, in his time, his first appearance of the season, really like not his big league debut because he did get to pitch a little bit late in the season last year, but still very new um, to MLB, I'd say. Um, still a very fresh young guy. So good to see him just like absolutely nasty, just humming 100 mile an hour fastballs. I thought he looked really good. And then Tyler Thornburg made his Braves debut, and he looked good in this game too. He looked good on Sunday as well as he had uh, one inning pitched. Had two strikeouts, faced the minimum. I thought he looked very, very solid. So, um, other than other than McHugh and Freed, Strider and Thornburg looked pretty good. Um, we'll get into the offense now. Um, wasn't fantastic, really, except for Austin Riley, who went three for four with two RBIs. He had a home run. He was very, very good. But the only other Brave that had a hit in the game was Ozzy, who had one for four. Um, the worst offense performance on the day by far was Dansby. Had a golden sombrero, 0 for 4, four punchies. 
Really, really bad start of the year for Dansby, but offense wasn't great generally. They scored three runs, but Austin Riley was the main facilitator of that. He had a very, very good game. So move on to game two now, a game in which the Braves won 7-6. to six. The offense got going really early in this game. Got out to a 7 to nothing lead in the third inning after they scored five runs in that third inning. One thing I do want to talk about that before we get into the actual game was the lineup for this one. Um, the Braves were facing a lefty in San Martin um, for the Reds. River San Martin is his name. Uh, he's a lefty, so they ended up batting Ozzy leadoff instead of Eddie, which I think is a good idea, batting Ozzy leadoff against left-handed pitching because he's awesome against lefties. Um, but the one thing that was head-scratching was the DH decision in this game. Um, they started Alex Dickerson in Game 1 against the righty. That's going to be the case mostly until Ronald gets back. Um, he'll probably be getting most of the DH at-bats against righties. But they started Orlando Arcia against the lefty in this one. And they also pinch-hit Dickerson um, with Heredia the game before against the lefty. And I didn't get to cover this because I didn't get to record last week, but um, it became very abundantly clear that William Contreras was going to make the roster and he was going to be in a bit of utility role between DH, catcher, some corner outfield, and maybe even like first base, third base um, was what was said about him. So kind of odd that he was the utility man, but it does make some kind of sense because he is a, a solid bat on paper, um, especially against left-handed pitching. And he's still a young guy, still um, somewhat of a prospect. And you would like to be able to get him some at-bats when you can. He ended up starting um, Game 3 catching. But him not DHing in this game was just very, very weird to me. I, like, I don't know what the point of even having him on the roster is if you're not going to use him in this situation at least to DH and not even to catch or even play corner outfield if you want to do that. Um, but they didn't. Um, I don't agree with it. Arcia was fine in this game. Um, he he went one for three, had two RBIs, had a had a hit and a sack fly. So um, it's not like he was terrible in this game or anything, but it's just kind of um, you know what's the point of having Contreras on the roster if you're not going to play him in the situation that just screams play Contreras um, when he could be down in AAA getting reps every single day. Um, but that's just my one kind of complaint about the lineup. I thought it was really weird that Arcia got the DH spot. And the fact that in game one, they brought in Heredia to DH um, to pinch hit for Dickerson and DH when a lefty came in, not Arcia. But then the next day, you bring in Arcia to DH. I don't know. It's weird. Um, the Braves are obviously higher on Arcia than most people are, including myself. Um, so that's just something I want to get out of the way. But. Yeah, I'll move on to the game itself now. Like I said, the Braves had a big fifth or a third three run or a th third inning with five runs. Couldn't spit that out. Um, that put them up seven to nothing. That'll be the last time they scored in this game. Was they ended up winning seven to six. Things got a little dicey late in this game. Uh, the Braves actually didn't hit a home run in this game and scored seven runs, which is not usually the normal. But uh, Matt Olson had three hits. He was really, really good in this game as he continued to be um, all series. We'll get more into him later. Um, but the Braves, they didn't have a ton of hits, really. They had eight hits, but they one thing they did do was walk a lot. Seven walks in this game, um, two from Austin Riley, one from Ozzy, one from Duvall, one from Eddie, two from Dansby. So the Braves were walking a lot in this game um, to go along with their eight hits. So 15 base runners right there, which is very good. Uh, they had two doubles. Riley, or Duvall and Olsen had a double in this game. So that was good to see there. But um, the kind of headliner from this game was Kinley Jansen's debut. As uh, he came in to pitch the ninth, Brace had a 7-3 lead. Very, very manageable lead, but they still want to get Kinley in, get him some work. And he looked pretty rough. He gave up uh, three earned runs in the inning on 
three hits, one walk. Um, did have one strikeout, but had to throw 30 pitches and just wasn't uh, wasn't a great Braves debut for Kenley at all. Nothing I'd be too worried about at all, but um, yeah, definitely not ideal that things got really dicey and pretty close in a game that the Braves once led seven to nothing. Um, but yeah, the rest of the bullpen was pretty good. Minter did give up a run, but nothing disastrous except for Kinley, which was almost a full-fledged disaster. But the Braves, they get their first win of the season, seven to six, um, and yeah, you know, kind of a nail biter towards the end when it probably shouldn't have been, but good to get their first win under their belt because if you remember last year they started the year off 0-4 I believe so good to get one under your belt and then we move on to Saturday's game where they get another one a 2-1 victory in this one they scored both their runs in the bottom of the first uh, Marcelo Zuna had an RBI double that drove in a run then Ozzy Albies had a sack fly, which scored the other run. So there are the two runs. Will Smith, they give up one run in the ninth inning. So a little more shakiness from uh, the closer in this game. But Will Smith, he just gets it done. Um, he only gave up the one run. He, he had two outs, actually. Then he gave up a walk and then a stolen base and then a base hit. So it wasn't like he was just getting rocked out there. The base hit was kind of uh, softly hit by Joey Votto. So, uh yeah, I th- I'm not, not not too worried about Will Smith and, and this one at all. I think not worried about Kinley either, just probably just some nerves. It's kind of a big series. I mean, there's a lot of festivities going, ar- going on around the Braves right now, all the ring ceremonies, which was on Saturday night. So uh, I think it's kind of to be expected that uh, some of these guys might be a little amped up, and um, especially like Max Fried on opening day. You could just tell that he was, he was throwing the ball really hard, harder than he usually does. But it was just kind of stealing on, didn't have much control. So I think it's kind of normal for these guys to have a little bit of jitters out there. Um, place was packed out every game, so it was probably a very intense atmosphere for the most part. So not really too worried about any of the pitchers having some uh, subpar performances in this first series, really. Except for maybe one, which I'm about to get into right now, which is the Game 4 starter, Ian Anderson. Um, the Braves did lose Game 4, 6-3, and Ian looked pretty bad. I'll say that. Um... It is one start, I'll say that, um, small sample size, all that stuff, but he goes 2.2 innings pitched, 5 earned runs, 5 walks, and 1 strikeout, threw 74 pitches, didn't get out of the 3rd inning, so a pretty bad performance on his part, um, had no control, kept getting behind in counts, just couldn't get really anything going consistently, um, change up was just going too low, fastball was going too high, had no control really, and um, yeah, I, I'd say... You know, Ian is a guy that you kind of have to keep your eye on because his advanced his advanced numbers and his metrics and peripherals always indicate that he has gotten a little lucky to this point in his career as far as his results go. So I think he's always a guy you need to kind of keep your eye on. Um, the fact that you know he doesn't have you know the peripherals that most pitchers with his success have had to this point. So nothing crazy or like super worrisome, but. Something to definitely keep an eye on, uh, more so than the other guys that struggled this weekend. But um, in this game, on a more positive note, Matt Olson went crazy. Again, um, another three-hit game. Goes three for four. Hits his first Braves homer, a rocket to dead center field off of Hunter Green, which was a 101-mile-an-hour fastball from Hunter Green, who made his major league debut for the Reds. I thought he looked pretty good in that in this game. Um Travis Darno also hit a home run. Austin O'Reilly had a double, which was almost a home run. Thought it was going to get out, but it did not. Um, Ozzy had two walks in this game, which is 
very encouraging for Ozzy, a guy who doesn't really take his walks that much, to draw two in one game. This is probably going to be a rarity this season. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I think in this one, Burris just kind of got behind early with Ian's poor pitching. Um, gave up the five runs all in the third inning of this one, and they're down 5 nothing early, and they were able to get back closer a little bit with uh, Darno and Olsen homers, but... You know, the reserve attack on another run. And over the last four innings, the Braves couldn't get anything else going in this one. So, uh, yeah, 6-3 to three loss. Nothing terrible right there. 2-2 two, two split is fine. Of course, you'd like to go 3-1 in your opening series, of course. But, you know, it's nothing uh, terrible at all for the Braves. Nothing worrisome. Um, how the seasons have started in the past where they get swept on their opening series. It's nothing like that at all. I think um, they played pretty well for the most part. Just some bad pitching performances at times, but nothing to worry about. As, like I said, it's probably a very different kind of feel um, for an opening series than any of these guys have ever had before. Maybe guys like Charlie Morton, who pitched pretty well, and uh, you know some of the more experienced guys that are over on the team now have uh, are a little more accustomed to this. Maybe like Colin McHugh, who's pitched some big games. But, um, you know, this is the first time these guys have had to go through this ring ceremony and all, all the attention surrounding this series of being the defending champs. So definitely um, something that I think will level out over time of maybe just the nerve some of the guys had in this one. Um, their next series is against Washington at home. I'll be at the game tonight, actually, uh, for game one. And then this weekend they had the San Diego uh, as they go on a West Coast trip where they play the Padres. And then after the Padres, they go to Dodger Stadium to play Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers. So that'll be next week. Should be an exciting series in that one. So that's enough of the Braves. Um, got them all covered. And uh, we'll move on to the Hawks, who are locked in to the number nine spot in the play-in tournament. They will face the Charlotte Hornets at home on Wednesday in a winner or a winner go home game pretty much not even pretty much it is it's a do or die scenario for the Hawks um, they'll have to win two games in this plan tournament to make the playoffs as they'll have to win this one and then they will if they do beat the Hornets they will play the loser of the 7-8 game which is Cavs versus Nets so if you're the Hawks ideal scenario for you is beating the Hornets obviously and then the Nets beating the Cavs you do not want to face the Nets even if you know they were the losing team it's a one-game sample between them and the Cavaliers, and I would much rather face the Cavaliers. No diss towards them, but they have not been playing very well lately, and they're not completely healthy. Um, I don't know if Jared Allen, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are going to be able to play in the plan tournament at all, so it, uh, I would much, much rather face the Cavaliers. So that being said, there are some positives um, that I can find about being in the 9-10 game where you have to win two games rather than the 7-8 game where you go, you get at least two games if you do lose the first one. Um, it being in a 9-10 game puts you at the 8th seed if you're in the playoffs, which would match you up against the Miami Heat, who are the 1 seed. And out of the top two, three seeds between the Heat, Celtics are number 2, and the Bucks who are number 3, I would much rather face the Heat than those other two teams, personally. Um... Anything to avoid the Bucks, which they end up slipping all the way to the three seeds, so the Hawks would have been good no matter what. But I would probably rather face this Heat team than the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are down Robert Williams, which he might be able to return at some point in the playoffs. He has a torn meniscus. Um, but I think the Heat, while they are the one seed and still a very good basketball team, I do think they're probably 
the most inferior of the three teams and maybe the best matchup that the Hawks have on paper among those three teams. And another positive of being the eighth seed instead of the seven is that you stay out of the Bucks side of the bracket. Um, they are the three seed, and the two seven will play the winner of the three six. The two seven winner plays the winner of the three six matchup, and the Hawks will avoid that completely. If they were to beat the Heat in the first round, they will not have to face the Bucks in the second round like they would if they were like a two seven. They wouldn't have to play the three six. They'll play the winner of the um, Raptors Sixer series instead of playing the Bucks. So my main thing out of this whole play-in, um, besides the obvious fact of trying to get into the seven eight game, is that you have a uh, a chance of only playing one game and getting in or having a second chance to get in the playoffs is that just avoid the Bucks in the first round at all costs. And if the Hawks do get in, they will do that in the first and second rounds if they were to advance. So the earliest they can face the Bucks is the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm perfectly fine with that. So I think the Bucks are the best team in the East, and the Hawks are unable to avoid them for as long as they can. I think that is a good thing. So, yeah, the game is on Wednesday night. Um, Hawks did get home court, which is very significant because the Hawks are – much, much better at home than on the road this year. They're one of the better home teams this year and one of the worst road teams this year. They will have to go on the road, though, if they do win this game to either Cleveland or Brooklyn, which will be interesting to see. But, yeah, if you're a Hawks fan, I will have your fingers crossed for playing the Cavaliers. Um, the Nets, you just don't want to face KD in a do-or-die game. KD and Kyrie Irving, that will not be fun at all. I'd much rather go up against the Cavaliers. So the game is Wednesday night. Against the Hornets, LaMelo Ball versus Trey Young. And um, as one last note of the show, I mentioned just a few weeks ago when Trey was leading the league in points and assists, he ended up doing that for the whole season. He led the entire NBA in total points and total assists. He's only the second player in NBA history to ever do that. So just want to leave you on that note to part away on this podcast, but pretty crazy stuff of how good Trey Young has been this year. And while it has been a somewhat disappointing year for the Hawks, Trey Young has been All-NBA level this year, and I think that he should uh, definitely make the All-NBA team with the numbers that he's put up. He has been absolutely fantastic this year, so good for Trey, happy for him, and hopefully um, he plays a lot more basketball this year because that would be really, really good for my sake. So that'll do it for this episode. If you uh, made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one. (music) 